Learning the Secrets of Living a Fantastic Life with author Dr. Alan Laika here on the Power of Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 128. And I'm going to challenge all your listeners to give, to pay forward. Do something for somebody else today that you would not regularly do. I'm going to challenge you to make it a better life for somebody else. And in the process, make your life better. Hi, this is Kevin Murphy, author of The Three Rooms, where I help people change your thoughts to change your life. You're connected to the Pathway to Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, helping you overcome adversity to find your promised life. You're on the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes every person has a God-given promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and that you must have a plan and a guide to get there. The Pathway to Promise podcast not only is your guide through the wilderness of depression and disappointment that stand between you and your promised life, but also brings you insights and direction from inspiring, successful thought leaders who have transformed their lives. Welcome to the Pathway to Promise. Now, here's Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to the Power Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Glad to have you here. We are here to help you to discover strategies, means, uh, processes, disciplines to help you overcome adversity in your life to achieve what we like to call your promised life of peace and prosperity and purpose. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Glad to be with you. I have a uh, background in transformational leadership, a doctorate degree in the same, and worked with people and groups throughout my history and love to be helpful to you. You can go to our podcast, Doctor. you can go to our website, drbradmiller.com, and find lots of back episodes of the podcast to be helpful to speak into your life. Your life. Is it fantastic? Is it great? Is it amazing? All of us have had obstacles to overcome, and we then have to choose whether we are going to emerge out of these obstacles in a better place or not. Our guest today is Dr. Alan Laika, and he had an episode in his life where he was at the happiest place on earth, Disney World, and suddenly he had a problem. His foot wasn't working, and his family, his wife and his family became very concerned, and he, even though he's a medical doctor himself, he was in trouble physically. He was diagnosed for a time with a Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, found a process to find some treatment, went all over the country, all over North America looking for treatment, finally found a process of treatment, and he has now emerged in a much better place and teaches and leads now for folks to have fulfillment in their life and turning points in their life. He is now working with a co-author who's, uh, whose name is Harriet Tinka, and they've created the Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, the 13 Golden Pearls of Wisdom that Refocus Your Life for Richness, Appreciation, Joy, and Service. He has a lot to offer, great tips, great processes for us to get into here on the Power of Promise, 
Power of Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You're going to love this interview. Listen carefully for these pearls of wisdom. We'll be back on the other side to give you my take on a couple of things and to help you to find out more about Dr. Leica and his work. Right now, our guest on the Power of Promise podcast, Dr. Alan Leica. Dr. Leica, welcome to the Power of Promise podcast. Thank you very much. I really am glad to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, it is awesome to have you with us, and your title is exciting about living a fantastic life. Who wouldn't want to live a fantastic life? Everybody would, and yet I got a feeling, given your story, that things weren't always so fantastic for you, that no, you've I had your, your you share, know, of, share of things I, to challenge, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let me tell you my story. I was walking at the happiest place on earth, Disneyland, with my wife and my daughters in 2003. It was spring break. Uh, my wife turned to me and said, what's wrong with you, hon? You know, for once, I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. But she turned to me and said, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean, what's wrong with me? She said, your foot is flapping. I said, what do you mean your foot is flapping? My foot is flapping. I, and we're not even talking the same language. She said, listen to your foot. So as we were walking along, my foot had suddenly developed a foot drop. And with each step I was taking, my right foot was slapping against the pavement. So it was flapping. So she was very concerned. She said, did you have a stroke? And I, I'm a doctor. She's a doctor. I said, no, this isn't how a stroke results. She said, well, when we get back, you better get this checked out. Now, when your wife tells you, you better get this checked out, you better get it checked out. And so you well, did, I assume, right? I did. I had every test known, Brad. I had... Mm -hmm. CAT scans, I had brain scans, I had scan scans. And you know what they showed? Did they show anything at all for you? No, they showed absolutely nothing. The doctor Well, that's, that's frustrating, isn't it? My goodness, yes. Yeah, they were perplexed. They thought I had a brain tumor or they thought I had a, a, a slip disc or something. So then I had to see other doctors and more doctors and more tests and more doctors and more tests. Finally, I ended up uh, one of the world-class neurologists. A neurologist is a specialist in the nerves that's supposed to have all the answers. And I, I went to see him and he said, uh, Alan, you better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, what, why? Well, what's wrong? I've got a dropped foot. He says, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And oh in six goodness. months, you're going wow. to be dead. Okay. So I said, well, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? And he said, Yes. Autopsy. <laughs> what a what a good comforting thought. My goodness. <laughs> That's what I lost. I said, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. But you know, back in 2003, there weren't a lot of options. I mean, you looked, when a person gave you a diagnosis, you pretty well had to accept it. But I went to my wife and she said, I have no idea what you have, but you don't have ALS. And so then... 2003 was the start of the internet. We had dial-up connection, primitive ways of getting on. We had a language called DOS where you could send things. And you could look for things. You could look for articles. You could look for stories. You could look for people. But it was very, very difficult. So I got on there, and I found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, David Martz, who had a story very similar to mine. But he had gotten worse much more rapidly. And you know, at that time that he got worse, he was on his deathbed. 
and he was so well known, doctors from around the world were coming to see him. And uh, they were saying goodbye to David. And a doctor came up from Texas and looked at David and said, David, there's something wrong with this picture. You don't have ALS. David whispered, what do I have? He said, I think you have chronic Lyme's disease. A bite of a tick caused a chronic neurological illness that left you in the state. He said, what's that? This chronic Lyme's, I've never heard of it. Well, back then it wasn't very well known. And uh, the doctor started him on antibiotics and like Lazarus, he arose from the dead. David oh basically goodness. started walking and talking and doing everything he did before. So I knew I had to get in touch with David. I knew he had some answers that I needed to find. So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs and I got in touch with David at the Methodist Hospital. And there uh, we talked for hours and he said, can you come down and see me? And I said, when? He said, why not right now? Well, this was our Thanksgiving weekend. Canada has Thanksgiving a bit uh, before the States does. And right. said, I can't, I can't. My mother, my wife's having 50 people over. She's having my mother over. I said, well, you got to go. She said, you, you, you got to go. You got to go. He said, you got to go see this. this Yo, your wife said that to you. Yes. So she, she released you from the family obligation. From the family obligation. Wow, said, that's amazing right oh, there. There's nothing to have. That's easy. We'll, we'll handle it, she said. So I got on a plane. I went from Edmonton to Denver, Denver to Colorado Springs. Now, the first plane was great. Second plane, at the end of the day, planes in that part of the world get eddies from the desert air, and they drop like the drop of doom over and over and over again. It's only a 10-minute flight but it's the most horrendous flight you're ever going to see. <laughs> okay. So I crawled off the plane at the end. And so that messed you up physically as well as everything else, yes, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. But it was a great analogy for what I was going through. It was basically my life all yes. thrown to, to like a storm, like a, a cork and a tidal wave. It was, it was a mess. So I, I, I got off the plane and, you know, there was David on the tarmac to meet me. Oh, that's those awesome. days, you could do that. It was, yeah. it was before all the security and high tension and yeah. everything else that was going on. So we went and talked and we talked for hours and he said, Alan, I think history is repeating itself. I think you have chronic Lyme's disease and I'm going to get you better. And so for the next 16 years, I stayed as one of the top doctors in cosmetic surgery. I was able to do everything. But when you go through a change like this, Brad, you start looking for answers. You start looking for how your life could be different. And one of the things I started doing was giving back more. And I sponsored an award called the Woman of Distinction Award for uh, the YWCA, where we honored women in our society. And a woman came and, and applied for that award by the name of Harriet Tinka. Harriet was a beautiful black lady who had gone through a story that was horrendous as well. She was kidnapped, stabbed, and left for dead. Oh my goodness, wow. Now, we found through talking and, and talking and talking that we had a commonality. We had found some amazing things that people could live by. And we call this our 13 golden pearls. And for the last four years, we've been writing our book, The Secrets of Living a Fantastic Life. And we are launching it right now and people are going to be able to share in those purple, those pearls, and we hope they can have a fantastic life too. 
So there's a compilation of learnings that you did through your struggles. Did it turn, by the way, did it turn out to be Lyme's disease or was it ALS or something else for you? You know, I, we go with the working diagnosis that it's Lyme's disease because it responds to it. And so the answer is, if it looks like a dog and barks like a dog, it's probably a dog. It may there be a go. duck, it may be a chimpanzee, but it's probably a dog. But you yeah. ask 20 doctors and you get 40 diagnoses even now. Yes. Well, I'm familiar. I, I'm a pastor of a church. I worked with a person who passed away from ALS a couple of years ago, and it's quite a uh, quite an ordeal. That is uh, for sure. But then, but you, getting back to your story, you had this story of overcoming and coming to terms with this, and coming. Obviously, you're here. You're, your original diagnosis was six months or so to live, and here you are, 16 years later. And you were right. uh, alive and well and ticking and producing this book. And Harriet had her own story of uh, just uh, terrible drama and trauma. And yet we, we live, uh, uh, Alan, at a time when everybody is experiencing some commonality in trauma, aren't they? With this, uh, we're talking in you May know, of 2020 with this scary. coronavirus situation going on. And, and I just like your advice, your, your take on things of how people can deal with drama and trauma in their life and come out to a better place. You know, I think it's, it, and I want to say these words very carefully. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. I think those are very, very important words for everybody. And I want everybody to listen to them. You know, it's very easy when you're going through crises and be overwhelmed by them and go through despair and uh, go to the dark side, maybe uh, become addicted to become angry uh, really become a, a difficult person. Or on the other hand, you can really learn this as an opportunity to get better, an opportunity to try and find the better things in life. And, and that's what Harriet and I did. We found that there was a much better way to live. And hence our golden pearls. We found things that are more like touchstones that everybody can use to make their life better each and every day. Well, let's get into that a little bit. What do you think are some of the actions, some of the, the pro what you say, as you said just now, it's what we do with what's happened to us rather than letting the life just happen to us. I'm paraphrasing what you said, but it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. So what do we do? What are some action? What are some bold activities yeah, that we can take action to take control? Let's go to the greatest pearl. Do you know one of the greatest things you can do is just laugh? Brad, just have mm. a good laugh, a belly grabbing yes. laugh. Just, just, you know, there's nothing that brings your mind and body together than a good laugh. It really, I think this is one of God's gifts to us that really shows there's a better side to life. There isn't just despair. There's, there's laughter. There's humor. And did you know that even in, in a, an employment situation, 91% of bosses think that you need a sense of humor in order to advance. So it's a mm. very, very, very fun, fundamental thing. And do you know that doctors actually have studied laughter? Well, I'm familiar with, uh, you'll have to help me. You probably have studied it, uh, Alan. The doctor who 25, 30 years ago, who recovered after a look. Uh, yes. The, yes, the philosophy of and I, you know, you, help me out. Do you remember the name of the person? I can't I, remember I now. Not, but, but there's another person by the name of Punch, uh, a, a German doctor that used this therapy in his hospital. He found a hospital yes. 
and just used all the thing uh, for a humor in it. And that, that's the amazing thing about that is humor can do that. But do you know that they've actually studied the funniest joke in the world, Brad? I have not. Go on, please. Unpack that, unpack that for me, please. A doctor by the name of Richard Wiseman, a British doctor, went and rated jokes. He studied all the jokes in the world and had people rate them as what was the funniest. And do you know what the funniest joke in the world was? What was that, my man? Let, let me tell you. It, okay. You know, there were two hunters. They were out in the woods. And one of them dropped down. He looked like he was dead. And his buddy shakes him and says, buddy, buddy, get up, get up. Doesn't respond. Picks up his phone and he phones the operator. Operator, 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 help me, help me, help me. My buddy's dead. The operator looks at him and says, you know, calm down, sir. Please just take a breath. You know, when we have a situation like this, the first thing you have to do is make sure he's dead. Okay. So phone drops down. All of a sudden, there's a click of a rifle and a bang. He comes back and he says, yes, he's dead. What do I do now? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. So that is that is, a that's a good one. That's a good one. Now, the reason to... why everybody laughs is, is because the improbabilities that go on in there. And that's really what makes us laugh in life. Why yeah. do people slip on a banana? A person slips on a banana peel and you laugh at them. Well, it's because... It, it shouldn't happen. These things go on. You know, funny things happen. We call it slapstick humor. And that really, really, really makes a difference in people's lives. So can people set this up? Can people be intentional about this? You know, a lot of times, you know, my family will watch a TV show and laugh and so on. But is there some therapeutic approach to this or some uh, approach to this? Can We can be very intentional about it. I think everybody should take a little bit of time and have humor in their regular day. They should watch television shows with humor. They should watch and, and make it look at things in a humorous way. It's not just the jokes themselves. You have to look at the funny side of things. You have mm -hmm. to look at the things that are there. You have to change your mind to look at things differently. I know one of the things that's been helpful during this coronavirus situation that we're in right now is there's a lot of people being creative and making funny videos at home and with, you know, with their kids and their dogs and cats and other things, and they're having a good time with it, and they're entertaining, entertaining themselves, because if you focused on the virus and all the doom and gloom, you really could just send yourself to a bad place, so people are choosing to go to a, a good place. You've probably heard of this new uh, app called TikTok. Which oh, is yes. A, I'm familiar with it, right? Well, guess what it's all about? It's all about little humorous videos. Yeah. That's Short videos that are funny or dancing talk. or happy. Yeah, that's what, what it is. Yeah. yeah. That, that's awesome. So this is a whole new thing, and that's become one of the hottest crazes on the internet. Yes, uh, in I know. In the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah, okay. I know. Well, let's, okay. let's go. Yeah. I'm sorry, you got some other things to share there as well. I was curious, though, that's one thing people could do is laugh and to set themselves up for that. But I'd like to talk about where we this transformational power comes from. How is, you know, we have people now have a lot of time to reflect about lots of things. Sure. They're staying at home. So how is some sort of a spiritual life or an inner life or any kind of a thing to do with our uh uh, meditation or any other practice along that line, how are they helpful 
in terms of us uh, coming out to a better place, the 13 well, pearls that you mentioned. That I point out as well, and that's being realizing that we should be grateful for the things we have and, and contemplating on that. You know, even in this drastic time of, of COVID, where uh, people are losing their jobs and, and having very difficult times, you know, most people still have roofs over their house, uh, over their heads. Most people still have families around them to help them through this time. Most people have loved ones that they can rely on. You know, I think we have to be grateful for the things I, that they have. I'm grateful that I'm here 16 years after the fact I was supposed to be dead. I'm grateful every day just to see the sunrise and to see the flowers come up and see, see this wonderful planet that we have. So, you know, when you go through a death experience, I think you start to realize that every little thing matters and you should make the most of every day. You know, at the time of COVID, you have time to watch videos, you have time to watch podcasts, you have time to take on a deeper meaning of life, time that you wouldn't have had before when life was proceeding at breakneck speeds and not being able to, to do all the things that you wanted to. What, what a gift we have all of a sudden, Brad, that we're yes. supposed to be sequestered in our homes, uh, doing stuff for ourselves. Wow. What a thought. What a concept. Yeah. What a concept. I mean, that was crazy before. We all always had to be doing stuff. We had to be pursuing. We always had to be doing stuff in such, such a way that, that it's very, it was very difficult to work 18, 20, 30-hour days, you know, doing all those things, cramming everything in. Now we have some time. Yeah, it gives us an opportunity to reset if we choose to do that, to kind of uh, recalibrate our life, go to an inner place, go to places to read a book. Maybe we haven't read for a while. Maybe read your book. Define some ways to process some things, maybe do some writing, other things that we can do that we uh, now have time to do. And, and I've seen how also there, it seems like there's some reset going on in the world that people are, yeah, there's some really tough stuff going on, but people are treating one another kindly in many cases. That's a good thing. Some community is being de developed. And even some things on the earth, I've seen some things in the environment where they say some of the air quality and other things have improved a bit because of the lack of cars on the road, things like that. There are uh, some physiolog seen, physiological changes that are taking place, and that's awesome. We've seen yeah. a lot of good things come from this. We've seen stress levels go down. We've seen yes. people less anxious with all this going on, too. We've mm -hmm. also seen wild animals starting to come up and come back to our communities. I live in an area where there's right next to a river valley. The other day, I was driving out of my driveway, and there was this big buck right on my driveway eating the grass. Wow. You don't see that usually. They're always hidden someplace far in the woods. Things are changing. Part of the changing takes place here, though, I believe, in order to get for, through at times of adversity or pressure like we're under, is healthy relationships. And I'd like you to speak for a minute, uh, Alan, about the importance of relationships, loving, caring, deep abiding relationships in healing, in wholeness, maybe in your own recovery, uh, but in certainly how folks can get through difficult times, the power well, I, of relationships. I, I think love is one of the most important things that we can have. And I think a relationship with somebody gives a higher degree of love. You know, love is one of the few things that you get more of by giving. Mm. Have you ever thought about that? 
Yes. That's a strange thing. You give love and you get more back. Now that really is one of the powerful things about love and how it is. And, and relationships are what it builds on. And I'm talking about relationships that are with a, a significant other or even with a, with a friend, with people that you can help every day. And, and I wonder how many people in this day and age just try to help somebody that they wouldn't have helped otherwise. You know, I, I think that is one of the deepest things that you can do in a time like this. You know, um, in Britain, there were a lot of people that were elderly in their homes. So they basically deputized a lot of young people to go to people's houses just to make sure they're okay. Of course, social distancing and everything else, just to go around and say, hey, how you doing? Everything going okay? Is there something we could do for you? Other people would deliver groceries for people or be available to pick up medications or things like that. Just just little things that you can do for a neighbor. Uh, I, I saw a sign uh, from New York where a person put in the lobby of one of the high-rise buildings, I have a car, I can get you anything, just ring my room number and I'll do that for you. You know, those are little things I think that, that we, we don't hear about as much as we should. We don't hear about people giving, you know, giving is a very fundamental part of living. And I think uh, we frequently don't give enough. We don't think about things enough. This is a time sure. to rekindle that and build better relationships with people. It's a time to basically look inside yourself and see what you're made out of and see how you can do things better. And when you give to others, as you've indicated here, it does build, it does uh, help us to persevere and to get through whatever difficulties we have. It helps build up goodwill and helps us to overcome those adverse conditions that are happening around us by being engaged with other people. And I think, you know, you've indicated that, you know, with uh, even folks we don't know, delivering groceries, you know, in my own community that we have, uh, you know, people going to the hospitals. I'm going to be a part of a caravan of people who drive around our local hospital honking horns and waving here in the next day or two, uh, things like that. Those things do happen, but it also, it also gives us opportunity to develop and go deeper with those important relationships with, that we have, you know, our kids, our spouse, in my case, my two, two of my adult children have had to move in with me during this time and we've sorted through some relationships there it gives us opportunities to build on those fundamental relationships and get through those as well yeah you know this is a time where you can grow because of this this is a time that you can establish things better you know if you're isolated there's ways to get to people and talk to them just on these these means that we have now like zoom and all these other wonderful sure. means like live and stuff like that so you can reach out and touch people on the other end without even being there and and this is one of the other things i'm grateful for in this day and age is how how we have this technology that can really help us overcome this several years ago we didn't i mean yeah you picture i was what just was before I've, bell invented the phone oh, I, I mean amazing wow. i mean it's tough enough being isolated the way it is physically but if we thought about if this particular event, a pandemic had happened 20 years or so ago before we had things like Zoom and other things, so it would just been that much more difficult to could do anything. And so that's a good thing. So appreciate it. Yeah. Let me I, ask I you one, we're... let me ask you something else about how we do this now. 
your title of your book is The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. I love that title. But how do you define a fantastic life? You know, I think the best way to define a fantastic life is something that's joyful, something that's hopeful, something that is a life that you really, really like to live. I, I, I look at, um, you know, I look at my little grandson who one day was outside and it was so cold. It was like minus 40 air and said, you know, grandpa, there's diamonds in the sky. And I looked up and the ice crystals were there and they had formed like diamonds. The light was shining on them. Now think of, of that. I mean, it's freezing. You're, you're literally, it's so cold. Your breath freezes on your face, but there's diamonds in the sky. That's awesome. Okay? We can learn some things from our, uh, our grandchildren. And I have a grandchild, a two year and a half year old grandchild, learn some things from them. That is just awesome. And from children as well. Yeah. I, I think yeah. this, opportunity to learn from others this is an opportunity to take a time take a breath take a time to look better and take a time to really understand what you can do better and this is a great time in the history of the earth sure let's talk about process for a second we've mentioned these things we want to do and can do and should do but i want to talk to you about how to do it for for a minute i'm talking about oh habits or practices or um things that we can do in a disciplined manner, perhaps, that can help us to get to this place. Okay, do you have any suggestions or thoughts on uh, habits, practices, things that we can do to oh, help us I, to move to this fantastic life? Sure, I, I think a couple of things. One is first adopt an attitude that's good. Get an attitude of enthusiasm is something that's very important. I'll tell you a little story about enthusiasm so that people will know. First of all, uh, there was a carpenter by the name of Fred. He was 65. He was tired. He didn't want to work anymore. So he went to his boss and said, I'm quitting. I can't take another day of it. The boss said to Fred, well, Fred, you know, you've been my main guy. What am I going to do without you? He said, ah, you, you could find somebody else. He said, Fred, I've got one job for you to do before you leave. You've been my master carpenter. Can you do just one more job? He said, oh, I'll think about it. He said, could you build me just one more house? Only you can build this house because you're so good at it. But I need you to build me just one more house. Fred Big Buck grudgingly said, okay, boss, I've liked it here. You've been good to me. I will build you one more house. But his heart wasn't into it. He basically could hardly get the work done. Every day he went to work, but he worked two or three hours. He really produced shoddy work. It was not the work he had done all his whole life. And at the end, the house was built so badly, it barely passed inspection. But it passed inspection. And he went to his, his boss and said, okay, I'm done. This is it, my last day. Boss said, hold it, hold it. We're going to have a little party. We're going to celebrate all your years here. So they had their party and he was ready to go. And he said, well, Fred, just one more thing. He gathered everybody around in the office and he said, Fred, you know, you've been wonderful for me all these years and I've got one gift for you. See these keys that you gave me? This is the keys for your house and your life. I want <laughs> okay. you to live it the rest of your life. Yeah. And enjoy okay. the same joy you gave me all the years. Okay? Wow. But Lesson you learned. Yes. Starts, you see where it starts? And it's sure. got to happen every day. It's got to happen every day. It can't just happen tomorrow or the next day. 
or the day after that. It starts with you deciding you're going to make a better life and then doing some of the things that make the better life. And I'm going to challenge all your listeners to give, to pay forward. Do something for somebody else today that you would not regularly do. I'm going to challenge you to make it a better life for somebody else. And in the process, make your life better. Awesome. Well, that's a great place to leave our conversation here today, a challenge to make your life better, to make your life fantastic, right? We want to have a fantastic life. So that's great. And the book is The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. Um, Alan, how can folks, if they want to be in contact with you uh, or find out more about the book, where they can get the book, uh, how can they uh, find out more about what things you you offer? Yeah, we put out a wonderful little website to pick up the book. It's not quite out yet, but we'd like you to pre-order because we know this is going to be a bestseller. Uh, www.fantasticlifebook.com, fantasticlifebook.com. If you'd like to see me or my my friend Harriet, uh, go to my website, doctor, that's D-R, Allen, A-L-L-E-N, Lyka, L-Y-C-K-A, dot com, Dr. Allen Lyka. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to help you with your goals and your journey in life. And there you will find the pearls of wisdom from two survivors who reveal the golden pearls of wisdom that they have discovered. So our guest today on the Power Promise podcast has been one of the co-authors of The Secrets of Living a Fantastic Life, Dr. Alan Leica. Awesome conversation we had today with Dr. Alan Leica, the author of The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. Hopefully you caught a lot of the good nuggets, a lot of the great things that he listed there. In his book, they called them Pearls of Wisdom. A couple of things that I wanted you to hear today was perseverance, how he did not stop and she did not stop, the co-author he worked with, did not stop when tragedy happened, when bad things happened, they kept working through and they were diligence, diligent in their process of finding fulfillment and finding relief for the circumstances that they found themselves in. And then they encourage you to do the same. I hope you heard the challenge of Dr. Leica to go and do something good for somebody else. Be proactive. We like to teach this here in terms of our process, which is to be bold in your action. So I encourage you to do just that. Great stuff here, and hopefully in the future we'll have his co-author Harriet Tika on here on the Power of Promise podcast. With Dr. Brad Miller, we're here to be helpful to you. You can go to our website, drbradmiller.com, to find back episodes of the podcast. We've got a free gift for you there and some other helpful things for you to help you to overcome adversity in your life and to claim your promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. So until next time, friends, we just want to encourage you to continue to do all the good you can. And remember to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept. Thanks so much for taking the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. As a subscriber, you'll be a vital part of the Pathway to Promise community. Visit us on the web at pathwaypromise.com. Until next time, remember to stay on your Pathway to Promise.